Welcome, everyone, to Conversations in Cybersecurity. I'm your host, Tim Erlin. If you're part of the cybersecurity industry, you've no doubt seen headlines and vendors pushing the impact of third party or sometimes supply chain risk. One of the, the favorite statistics that I've seen recently was that, quote, third party vendors are five times more likely to exhibit poor security, end quote. And I, I couldn't help but find that funny because there are few, if any, organizations that aren't also a third party vendor to someone else. So how can practitioners untangle the confusion around third party risk? What should you be doing about it? Here to join me for that conversation is Anna Sarnik, uh, Director of Strategic Alliances at Valence Security, which helps security teams identify misconfiguration, identity, data, and SaaS to SaaS integration risks. Anna was previously Senior Director of Risk Solutions at Security Scorecard. Thank you for joining me, Anna. Thank you for having me, Tim. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Well, so let's let's start with the threat environment. Why are we talking about third party risk? Yeah, so this is a really interesting topic to me because I think traditionally when we think about third party risk and it gets talked about both, you know, within the internal risk management perspective or even when it relates to cyber insurance, when you think about what that means and what do you do about it, it seems like it's still cataloging the inventory of vendors that you're working with or the third parties that you're working with and trying to understand how they're managing their security through things like questionnaires or looking at data to understand what their cybersecurity posture might be. But if you think about all of the attacks that take place and the statistics that you mentioned around third party vendors being five times more likely to exhibit poor security, tangentially, if we think about over the last 12 months, the third party risk, it, it's a lot more ingrained into the organization, right? So in January, there's been a lot of conversation around Google and the conversation around zombie tokens, where even if you do password rotations, um, attackers can resurface your old session login tokens mm, and yeah. use a valid access. Or when we think about Okta attack, there was another one with Click, which is one of the more popular BI tools towards the end of last calendar year. It's really all of these tools that to your point, someone else is developing to make a certain job function easier and better. You bring them into your organization and you're using those tools, but for some reason, we lose that bridge of when you install a software and you know even the platform that we're using right now to have a conversation on on a podcast we somehow lose that trigger of this is a third-party product right so however you're installing it and using it in your organization tangibly like that is a a third-party risk that exists in your organization so the conversation is how can we bridge that divide to stop thinking about it as a list of information and start thinking about what are all of these products that we we use in the organization day to day that can impact your cybersecurity. It's I mean it's interesting because it's a, it's an overwhelming problem if you're a security practitioner. Just the example of a you know a, a a tool to use to record podcasts. You could have people inside your organization using a tool like that that you don't know about. That's the the shadow IT problem. Um, you increasingly have. Uh, business owners, uh, you know, purchasing services that involve a third party tool, um, you know, a third party as a tool that 
aren't always controlled by IT. Um, and so I, I kind of understand the initial response of, hey, the first thing we have to do is create an inventory of all of these things because we don't know what's out there. Um, but it sounds like you, you, you think that's not the most effective strategy, that inventory first strategy. Is that, am I interpreting that right? I think it's a piece of the puzzle. It's always good to start with understanding what you have. And it definitely starts with inventory of what you know. And then you, you have, have to do you start- have to have a complete inventory before you take the second step? I don't think so. It can be done in parallel. The challenge that I see though is once you have the inventory, a lot of the times still the security practitioners are thinking about the traditional way that we used to onboard into the working space where Tim starts a new job. He's issued a laptop, maybe a cell phone, and he's issued access to a certain set of things. If he needs more access, then he reaches out to IT. To your point about different businesses buying IT and not knowing where your shadow IT sits, um, and I'm using IT like six times in one sentence, but you know, it's no lo that's no longer the case, right? So the security teams can't keep taking the same approach of now I have an inventory of these applications that are being used in my organization. If I just deploy MFA, then I'm safe, right? Mm -hmm. You have to start thinking about it in a sense of how are these tools talking to each other? What is the level of access that a product has in your organization? So you need to start treating these applications that like, I don't want to talk about it like a living thing, but especially when you start creating service accounts or creating low code, no code automations, you're suddenly inserting um, an automation process that is taking actions on behalf of a human, right? So it's just, it's no longer enough to think of deploying products within your organization as being protected if you're just doing a point-to-point -point protection between a user and that asset. Does that make it's, sense? Yeah, it's it's increasingly dynamic. And I mean, it, right. it, it was somewhat dynamic before, you know, when you had the majority of people installing software on a local machine. And as we've moved towards SaaS and more and more automation driven by integrations, as you're pointing out, the level of, of dynamism has just increased to the point that maintaining a complete inventory may not be possible. Right. I don't know if, I, don't know if I agree with that statement, access. even as I make it. <laughs> yeah, I think maintaining an inventory is possible because that's scanning and you can continue to be alerted and take actions based on that. But I think it's not just about the inventory because you need to understand the whole spaghetti bowl of, okay, here's the inventory of the core things we want to protect, but what has access to it, right? So if we pull that chain of dynamic and think about the fact that the goal of a SaaS platform, the technology that a company is developing, like let's call it a Salesforce or ServiceNow or Click, their goal is to keep a single user in that platform as much as possible. So they're going to create handshakes between other platforms to pull in all of the data, to pull in all of the functionality and you need to understand which of those applications have, for example, just the read access, which is going to be low risk versus maybe it has a tenant wide write access, right? Something like a Calendly where an attacker can go in similar to those X attacks with SCC and things yeah. like that, where, you know, maybe someone go uses Calendly to authenticate into uh, an organization's Gmail and, 
maybe a nonprofit's email account then blasts the White House. And, you know, it could be very low risk attack, but just a very big embarrassment. But it still shows you that your organization doesn't have that security because you weren't aware beyond maybe the humans that have access to an application, what other technologies are interconnected to your core where they can take actions on behalf of a human. So Mm -hmm. that's where I'm saying that I don't think it's just inventory. You need to go a step beyond to understand how are things interconnected? What actions can they take? Yeah. So I, I want to talk a little bit about what organizations are doing today. But before I do that, we used we used two terms when we sort of started this conversation. One was third-party risk and one was supply chain risk. And I, I see them used interchangeably, uh, you know, sort of in the media, in industry. Do you Do you see a material difference between those two terms or is it really just the same thing? So... Well, and then there's the also third category of the vendor risk, right? And I think it's almost like, um, it's almost a concentration where all vendors are third parties, but not all third parties are vendors. And then I think um, the supply chain risk, it starts looking at Ford parties and beyond, which is important if you take, if you think about all the attacks that are taking place, like when we think about the Okta attack, for example, right? As an organization that uses Okta for, let's say, single sign-on, when Okta gets breached, that's your vendor and a third party that gets breached. But the way that the attack was conducted last summer, for example, since there have been many, Mm -hmm. Okta uses a third party service provider. So in that case, if you're an organization you know, completely randomly, like let's call it Kellogg or someone like that, who may be using Okta to you, Okta is a third party, but the breach occurred within the supply chain because Okta's own third party got breached, right? So I think it is a little bit different in the scope where vendor is more immediate. That is probably the first set of inventory that you can create. Third party is going to be a little bit broader. Um, And then supply chain risk is going to look at the things that can further impact your third party, the people that third party might be working with or the third party might have interconnections with that can yeah, yeah. pose a risk to you. Yeah, I think that's helpful to understand that, that there are some distinctions there that, that make sense and it's not always the same thing even though they make it talked about in the in the same right. same terms. Uh, so so let's go back to the the you know the way that organizations today are addressing uh, third party risk. Um, I always like to think about this in terms of a spectrum, right? There are, there are organizations that are very mature that are doing sort of what what the best practice is today. And then there are organizations that fall at the other end of the spectrum that are kind of at the immature stage. Can you describe what you see as kind of the immature and the mature practices um, that are, are happening today? Well, I think when it comes to immature, you don't have any centralized inventory or what you're using (laughs) and you're doing a little bit of a haphazard approach of installing tools here and there and you don't have any controls over how you're procuring or bringing in new software into the organization or what type of contractors you're signing on and you're almost relying on each leader within a business unit to conduct that i think on a more mature sphere you're going to have companies that are using some type of a risk management software and you probably are going to have roles within um, the IT organization that are specifically looking at managing risk where they will start to have those sets of inventories, right? Of who are we doing business with? What type of 
uh, products are we purchasing? Did we do a security assessment on them? Did we ask them to provide an industry standard security certification, like let's say like a SOC 2 um, certification report or something like that? So you have a certain level of confidence that the organization you're doing work with has certain level of uh, cyber hygiene standard that they're maintaining. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But so, even in that mature model, I think it falls short. Yeah. So on the immature side, um, if you're in an organization where the product or, or uh, you know, tool that you're asking about, you know, you would go to a different person for different tools. That's a good indication that there's, that's immature. You're on the immature end of that spectrum and no process for assessing those vendors. The mature organizations yeah. process, you know, centralization, some kind of assessment. Um, but as you pointed out, there's room for improvement even at that mature end. So what are those gaps that we're talking about for the mature organizations? I think the gaps are to is to make sure that there is a seamless communication between the IT slash the security organization and the business unit that is procuring any certain type of IT. So if I give an example, when we think of Salesforce, that is usually a tool that gets procured by the sales organization and usually is managed from um, a sales operations sub-business unit within sales or within mm -hmm. the finance department. So you may have in a mature organization a process where IT needs to be aware and they need to sign off on purchasing Salesforce. However, when it comes to managing that product, you're going to have a Salesforce expert that will sit in finance or sales that will be setting it up. And the Salesforce person, even though they're very smart at how to use and set up Salesforce, they just might not know some of the security requirements like you need to flip a specific toggle to make sure that you're requiring MFA in every user sign-on. And those type of security configurations where the today when we think especially about how much SaaS products we use as third-party products in an organization, you need to take that next step of making sure that IT has security products deployed, security also teams have those products deployed that allow you to consolidate the visibility of all of these applications that are being deployed, just to have that litmus check to make sure that everything is set up correctly. And if it's not, give you an ability to reach out to the application owner and give them specific guidance on what you need changed and why. So we shouldn't expect the application owners to become experts in how to secure the applications that they're managing. We, we want security to have oversight there, you know, IT security to have oversight and provide guidance and advice back to the application owners, right? Is that what you're saying? Well, I think it's a little bit, you know, unrealistic to expect a business unit um, application owner to become a super expert in security, right? Some of this stuff might become obvious and they may start implementing it anyway, but you need to have someone who's looking at the overall attack vectors and consolidating the threat signals within an organization mm -hmm. to then inform the other parts of organization that are hooked into it of what they need to change. And, I just think that that's a reality. Yeah, and someone to, to, to look at the interconnections. I mean, we talked about the interconnections between applications, you know, and the growing use of, of APIs to drive those integrations. Someone other than that application owner, who's going to, to by default be focused on their own application, needs to have a, a, a view of security across the, the, the integrations that exist within an organization, where data might be flowing, 
um, where it should and shouldn't go, you know, what's happening in those data streams, that kind of thing. Exactly. And I think integrations is probably a prime example because as an application owner like Salesforce, for example, it's probably a no-brainer to you as a Salesforce admin that you want to enable all of these interconnectedness with Zoom Info or whatever other tools, procurement systems to be able to make the sales process as soon, smooth as possible. So that person is probably not thinking about all of the risks that those integrations are presenting. So if you don't have a security team seeing them and doing the analysis that you just mentioned across the organization and across all of the different signals, then you're going to have a lot of gaps in security. And just to be clear, the shift that I've seen that makes that really important is that it used to be that you would acquire something like Salesforce, a SaaS tool, and a lot of those integrations would be to other internal tools. And so the security controls applied to the environment were a significant mitigating factor for compromise. But now we've moved to a point where so many of those tools are outside of your environment, are other SaaS tools, such that that flow of data you know, it's, it's into your organization and it's, it's back out again to another tool. Exactly. And let's not forget any employee in the organization that can quickly create an integration with whatever tool they prefer, right? Like yeah. things like Grammarly in Google Workspace or Calendly, um, scheduling help tools. Those are probably some of the best examples of the popular tools where a random employee will probably interconnect the trial and they just will not know what kind of risk that might be creating. Sure, sure. Well, okay. So, so the cybersecurity space, the information security space, isn't isn't known for having a you know a a, a paucity of of tools out there. There are lots of tools. So, what what is the state of security controls look like today for this third party threat landscape? Yeah, that's a state of controls. That is really interesting. Um, I feel like when we talk about controls in third-party risk, it still is very focused on, did you do a vendor's security check before you started working with them? So there, Rather there are obviously, than, yeah, there are tools to facilitate that, right? So that I can manage right. all of those, you know, vendor security checklists. I can send them out. I can get them back. I can consolidate them. Lots of tools to do that. Yep. Yeah. And there, so, yeah. You, go ahead. Yep. No, go ahead. <laughs> well, and then, you know, the corresponding to those are, are the tools that are, um, you know, available for doing the exactly what we talked about at the beginning, you know, inventory, right? So let right. me manage a list of all of my vendors. Certainly lots of tools that do that. Yeah. You'll have SAS discovery tools. You'll have the CASBs that will do the full crawl. And then the missing piece that we talked about of seeing the within a black box access, that's where you see conversations around SaaS security posture management pop up because yeah. what that's going to do is it's going to take a look at behaviors within the application, how the users are acting, what kind of configurations are being turned on and those integrations, right? Not just where are the integrations because tools like CASBs will already start showing you surface level how applications are interconnected. It's just a matter of taking that next step to say, okay, so I understand that ServiceNow and you know Atlassian or something is connected, but so what? You want to have that next step of visibility to say, what level of access is it? What type of action is that integration able to take? And so on and so forth. Yeah, so extending, I mean, these are in some ways, 
there are analogies to what would be traditional on-premise security controls that just haven't really migrated to to the cloud or to SaaS, but it sounds like they're starting to. That's what you're that's what you're talking about, really, is applying some of the the controls that we might have seen internally, uh, you know, in, in a SaaS environment. Yeah, I think so. And honestly, with on-premise, I think creating interoperability was just so much more IT org dependent that it by nature was just a little bit more of a centralized operation, yeah, I think. Exactly. Yeah. Versus today, it's not right, as we talked about. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. So, uh, you know, I, I always like to think about things in terms of, of practical steps that people can take because these conversations are interesting. Um, they're a little bit uh, esoteric sometimes and theoretical. So if you're if you're talking to someone who's a security practitioner, whose job it is to manage these things, what would you tell them to do tomorrow or to do differently tomorrow? Well, it takes a lot of work, but I think it's taking the inventory to your next step. So for example, you have an inventory of the applications that you're at least aware of that are core business applications. Don't assume that just because your identity product says that every employee has an MFA installed, that every application is requiring it, right? Try to do that next step of doing an inventory and audit within the application to each user to double check for things like, you know, is there um, an account that maybe has localized access that is now susceptible to credential stuffing attack or things like that. And I think the same thing comes to integrations, right? Of Maybe you have a tool that already does integration discovery or full SaaS deployment discovery. So then let's try to take that next step to take a look at, okay, what are interconnectivities? What are the different tokens that are um, talking to the core business applications and what type of actions they can take? So I still think it's going back to what we talked about in the first step, kind of the fundamental of we need to know what you have and just taking it the next step to also inventorying and knowing what type of actions they can take or to make sure that the security technologies that you have deployed are fully implemented without any kinks across all of your hmm. third-party products. Yeah. Well, so it's 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 not hopeless. There are steps that 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 people can take yeah, if, no. they, if they feel overwhelmed. Um they can certainly do something. That's good. That's good. All right. Yeah. Well, listen, Anna, I want to thank you for spending the, the time here. I think it was an, a, a great conversation. You know, there's lots of change happening in this particular space around cloud security and SaaS security, and and not even just the security side. All of that change is driven by the the incredibly, uh, you know, the increasing velocity of organizations as they adopt these technologies and integrate them and put them together. So um, it's a topic that's not going away. So thank you for spending the time. Definitely not a topic that's going away. So thank you for having me.